Day 22, posted August 28, 2002, 2.18 a.m. Showtime. Since there was no way around the fact that I was going to be on film, I decided I should at the very least dress for the occasion. I considered a variety of different looks, including the slovenly engineer complete with stained and holy concert t-shirt, stained jeans that were too big in the rear, much like plumbers enjoy wearing, and bright red canvas Ked sneakers. While I found the boldness of such an outfit inviting, I was concerned that people might misconstrue the intended satire of my garb. Another concept was the well-dressed, suave, white-collar, stylized engineer, complete with mint-condition Levi's red-tag jeans, my best Donna Karen sports jacket over a Wilk Rodriguez button-down shirt, finished with a polished black leather Hugo Boss belt and slip-on leather shoes from Italy that I fear might actually be from Ireland. Still, I like the shoes. While this outfit was also appealing, I was afraid that Johnny might faint at the sight of my vintage jeans, or worse yet, try to steal them somehow. I also considered that my shoes might become a point of discussion, causing great embarrassment, so I abandoned that ensemble. After debating for some time the exact look that would be best for appearing in a film, I settled on something familiar. I decided to wear a god-awful Hawaiian button-down shirt for my film debut, as that is what Ed Cherney wore for his cameo on The Bette Midler Show. I know because I watched it. After all, I figured that was just the way engineers dressed for this sort of occasion. Who was I to argue with success? Of course, The Bette Midler Show didn't last long, but I really don't think that had anything whatsoever to do with Ed's shirt. It seems I was the only person treating this film as a farce, but I wasn't the only person to select my look carefully. Dumbass was looking very cliché, wearing shorts and no shirt. Harmonino was the sharp-dressed man with a very nice pair of black dress pants, black leather shoes, and a black dress shirt unbuttoned and untucked over a blood-red T-shirt. Polyor wore a Nirvana concert T-shirt and a pair of stonewashed jeans that I suspect he wore just to piss off Johnny, who has proven himself to be nothing more than a jean snob. Johnny was dressed in circa 1955 Levi's 501 jeans, which he claimed were not reissues, but the original jeans recently discovered in a large time capsule of a warehouse. His jeans were perfectly pressed without a crease down the leg, never washed, and never shrunk. If he even stood next to a glass of water, he'd get nervous. On his torso, he wore what was a modern modification on the short-sleeved polo shirt. The shirt was made out of polyester and viscose. I checked, and no, I have no clue what viscose is, and is designed to be worn two sizes too small. Johnny Buff suddenly looked as though he had large muscles with this shirt on, which I assumed was the intended result. For all I know, Willie was wearing a silk robe because he didn't even show up today. Perhaps he's boycotting the session. I couldn't say I blame him. I considered doing the same. Seeing as the film crew was in full effect, the lights were blazing, and I was being followed by men with cameras recording my every deliberate move, I decided to play up the part. When I arrived at the studio, the band was already there. I had never seen them so pumped up to record. Dumbass wanted to start with a particular song, and had actually selected the drums and everything. Zimbabwe. Timbale, shake, zither, 
I was floored, as he was usually asking me to select his drums for him. Eeyore brought in a guitar tech to change out his strings and intonate the guitars. Johnny was warming up. If you love me like I love me, baby, we could fall in love. If you love me like I love me, we could fall in love. as if he were actually going to keep vocals that had excessive amounts of drum bleed on them. Harmonino was warming up by playing classic Yes bass lines from the album Fragile. Chris Squire, he was not. When I walked into the room, Lance started laughing at my shirt, but fuck him. This was the shirt that engineers wore on film shoots. Although, I must admit, the humor in that was only apparent to those who saw that particular episode of The Bette Midler Show. Considering the show had been canceled, and considering I felt like an idiot in a Hawaiian shirt, I decided to consider another look for tomorrow. Figuring that Willie would make an appearance sooner or later, and not wanting to appear on camera as we sit around all day and get nothing accomplished, I decided to get the ball rolling. Dumbass was in the room and on the throne. Kick! I yelled into the talkback with authority and zeal. I was going to play the part of an engineer who could quickly fire through every instrument, further propagating the common myth that engineering is done in the control room. What? <clears throat> Kick! I repeated through the talkback while smiling for the camera. What about it? He was ruining my little scene. Play the kick. What for? I swear to God this guy could fuck up a wet dream. My scene in which I get drum sounds in less than three minutes flat like some Greek godlike engineer came to a screeching halt. I was looking to perpetuate the image that this was a well-run session, and he was intent on keeping it real. And real is what the cameraman captured as I went around the same stupid-ass conversation I always have with dumbass where getting drum sounds was concerned, all caught on digital film for the world to see one day. With that thought... I was beginning to regret my decision to wear a Hawaiian shirt, regardless of the precedent that had been set before me. Once I finally assimilated dumbass to the groundbreaking concept of checking drum sounds before making takes, I was able to proceed with the process and thereby temporarily leave behind the awkwardness and self-consciousness that had been plaguing me. After getting sounds for the whole band, I had them make a take. For a band that typically sucked ass, they were displaying an actual ability to play. If I didn't know better, I'd say they were playing close to, dare I say it, great. Dumbass was finally laying into the drums with some authority, and he wasn't forgetting his cues. A few times I caught him twirling his sticks and even saw him throw a stick into the air once. Of course he dropped it. Harmon was grooving like mad in his duds. Paul Eeyore was doing windmills and goofing on Pete Townsend's two-legged hop move. He was laughing hysterically, as if Pete Townsend were somehow cheese, as Eeyore puts it. To date, I can't really recall ever having seen Eeyore laugh. For that matter, I can't recall ever meeting anyone who thought Pete Townsend was cheese. As the band was making takes, I sat at the console and bopped my head around, as if I were thoroughly enjoying the playing. Occasionally, I'd get up and dance around a little as Lance danced through my little area between the console and the counter, 
pretending to write down notes and enjoy himself. Even Fingers was getting into the act, wearing his parka and dancing all hip-hop to rock tunes. At one point, he disconnected the radar controller and brought it into the control room. He began frantically hitting buttons, pretending to be editing and yelling like a mofo. Between takes, I would talk to the band, telling them things like, You're on fire! And giving them advice like, Make it a bit more steamy in the bridge! And, The last course is a bit flat, sharpen it up! I even threw in the obligatory, It needs to be more green, get me green! The band looked at me strangely and said nothing. I was starting to regret my miserable little satire caught on film, and I now realized that this was a mistake. As much as I thought it would be funny for me to play the caricature of an engineer on a rock session, I had finally realized that I already was the caricature of an engineer on a rock session. And so my act was similar to feeding a pig, pig. Not a good idea. Since I could no longer enjoy myself with my new revelation that my life had been reduced to nothing short of trite, I decided to confess to Fingers on camera that I might have gotten a little pee on his parka. Who the fuck is that guy think he's anyway, puppy? Fucking puppy? Give me a break. To add insult to injury, I explained to him that he was starting to smell a bit like urine and it was becoming a bit of a problem. He just stared at me with a look that could kill, and I was doing everything in my power not to laugh. Aw, oh, man. Why you be telling me this now? Fingers picked up his radar controller and took it to the shitter. I followed him and begged for forgiveness as I realized that my goofing around had gone overboard. After all, I'm only human. I make mistakes just like anybody and feel badly about them afterwards. I even offered a public apology to Fingers on camera for the whole world to hear. I want everyone to know that I did not actually pee on Fingers' parka. A parka with pee on it subjected to 95-degree weather would start to stink like hell. I am here to tell you that his parka smells wonderful, and I will prove it to you now, I said to the camera in my staged apology. Then I took a deep breath from his parka and fell to the ground as if I had passed out from the smell. For the first time since his arrival, I discovered humor that even Fingers could relate to, as he started laughing at my slapstick antics. Oh, you a freak, yo! Fingers said, laughing and pointing at me like I was a chimp taking a shit at the zoo. There was no way around it. Cameras are no different from strangers in the studio. I can't actually feel comfortable about myself when there is someone present who has nothing to do with the session. Even if I could get past the actual person holding the camera, the thought that someone might one day watch this footage and judge my actions was just too weird for me. There's no question about it. I hate cameras in the womb. The director, whom I've dubbed Haired Director, was so upset he could shit a diamond. He was not in the least bit pleased with my behavior. I believe he called Jeremiah Weasel on more than one occasion, but Jeremiah didn't bother to come by today, which I can't for the life of me figure out. This was his shindig, and he wasn't making an appearance? Haired director was vibing me out, as if I were somehow ruining his production. One small part of me desperately wanted haired director to actually come right out and tell me that I was ruining his production, so that I might have the opportunity to point out that he was in fact fucking up our production. Furthermore, if we make a record that has no chance of selling, he can be assured to have directed a documentary with no chance of selling. The film crew was the intruder here, not me. 
I'm trying to make a record. If it makes the band play better, then great. I'm all for it. But personally, I would be content to be out of it. As far as recording was concerned, the unfortunate subplot of this debacle, we actually recorded three songs today. I didn't spend excessive amounts of time trying to dial in the exact sound. That's not to say I sloughed it off. Quite the contrary. I'm very happy with the sounds we got today. Sometimes working on a guttural basis and not overthinking every decision is a very effective way of recording. It's actually my most preferred way of recording. Unfortunately, it's the least used method of recording these days. The way I figure it, the cameras are there to capture dumbasses' footage more than anything else. Since he was on his way out, this was their only opportunity to get shots of him playing, as opposed to the ghost drummer they would likely bring in. My feeling is this. If the band is going to play as well as they did today, then I'm all for the cameras. As far as the actual recordings are concerned, their presence has been positive. I suspect once the band gets used to the cameras, the playing will go downhill again. But for now, at least we were making progress. Not that it matters. We're just biding our time. Mixer Man. <laughs>